Get into, I'm gonna do a little bit of the, the formal like intro and then we can just go from there. And cool. uh, yeah, man, thanks again. Yeah, of course. All right, let's do it. Hello and welcome to the Rat Nest Podcast, episode number 47 with Thomas Fernandez. Hey. <laughs> thanks for having me, guys. Man, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Like I mentioned, uh, it was just kind of like, hey, man, I like your stuff. What's up? And you're like, you want to do Thursday? I was like, perfect. Let's go. <laughs> Let's get it under the belt. Yeah. I'm trying to be better about like lining stuff up through the week and rather than just be like, oh, let me get back to you. And then like three weeks later, I'm like, fuck, I have like an inbox full of people that I said I'd get back to. So now I'm like, all right, I have to do this thing. Like, let's get it on the books. Let's like do this. Hell yeah. That's so important. Like, especially trying to do like a business or be a an artist that that is their business is just mm-hmm. responding to people and like getting back to them is insane like it it it's night and day the response if you wait too long it, the opportunity is almost gone sometimes for sure um do you find it like harder have you been getting just over the years more built up like procrastination stuff like that where you have to to make it a conscious thought to like reply to somebody only sometimes i feel like i'm way better at like being organized and not procrastinating since I've been like working from home more and tattooing a little less. So I have to kind of be a little more like organized and um, it just kind of goes through waves where I'm like, if I'm too busy, I'm like, I'll put this off and then it all kind of adds up and then it's a little hectic, but I'm, I'm trying to be better about just like, as soon as I get something respond or like not trying to like pussyfoot around, like, Hey, I want to get tattooed or get this thing. And it's like something I'm not into rather than like going through the whole song and dance of like seeing if they're actually serious. I'll just be like, I don't have time. I'm sorry. Like you'll have to, you can reach out in another six months, but I, I can't like keep track of this right now. For sure. That's funny because like, uh, well, I'll, I'm always trying to think of new projects throughout, mm-hmm. like right now I'm already like trying to plot for the rest of the year, you know, and kind of timeline myself or give myself a little bit of an outline yeah. uh, to like stuff I want to get going. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm good to respond and reach out the first time. And then people hit me back. They're like, you still doing this thing? I'm like, all right, it might got pushed back a couple of weeks. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we might still be doing it. Yeah. Uh, but it's funny how that works. It's like, you got to really be on top of yourself. Yeah. But, you have to you have to fill that a little bit anyways being uh, just like a full-time artist like 100% uh creating for uh, a living so it's like there's no other boss you you have to learn to manage it yeah you you just have to do everything there's not like a different department you can just pass something off to it's like yeah. okay i'll do all this i'll do this stuff <laughs> dude yeah that's jim for me if there's something i'm like i can't get to especially with the podcast shit I'm like jim can you do this please <laughs> Dude. I still that's that's how I got into the podcast is he was like, Hey bro, I need some help doing this. And I was like, Oh yeah, I can do this. And then it became like a regular thing. Hell yeah. I mean, realistically, it, it was worked out perfect for both of us. Yeah. Hell yeah. But don't you find that like bringing in somebody else to do a project with you, it goes like infinitely smoother and it actually like Big. keeps functioning, you know? Oh, big time. I, I'm under the impression that two brains do the same work as three people. You know what I mean? If you've got one extra person there with you, you, you can get three times as much work done. Definitely. Yeah, it's it's true, man. And it's funny because it 
people just think in different ways. So the stuff that naturally I'm focused on, I'm worried about, like I'm working on. And then the stuff that Jim would naturally be worried about as far as like, I don't know, anything like behind the scenes, even the audio, the editing, the video, when's it coming out? He's on top of it to be like, all right, what episodes do we have today? Who's the interview coming up? What's doing mm-hmm. this? I'm just on Instagram. Like, Hey, what do you think? Can you want, you want to talk? Like, you know yeah. I mean? so it's, it's funny how it works out like that. For but sure. I'll, I'll tell you what though, if it was just one of us trying to do it all, uh, we wouldn't have made it through one at one season. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. But the fact that we're able to kind of disperse the load across and there's only two of us doing this, but it's still like, we're, it's way easier than if it was just one person trying to do everything. For sure. For, for years, like I've always had like my little like company or brand of like live rad stuff, but it's always just been like a, like a third tier thing. Like, Oh, I have some extra copies of this thing I designed. I'll sell them. Or like, I've had this drawing I've been sitting on. I'll guess I'll get some stickers made, but now like making this as more of a skateboard company, I brought my buddy Zach in and I was like, Hey, do you want like part of this company and to do this thing with me? And like, we're actually able to get stuff made and like ship stuff out and like do events. And it's like crazy how just bringing in one person to help you with the project, like actually makes it function, you know? Thank you. Yeah, man. It really absolutely. Dude. uh, Well, let's drop into that. Like, so live rad was always the like, I don't know, moniker, not moniker, but you know what I'm saying? Like the, the name of uh, your project or your, your art name. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, when did you start tattooing? How, how far along into like, what were you in mid, your early twenties or cause it, you've been doing it a minute. Oh, right? Yeah, I've been tattooing. Well, I started scratching when I was 17 um, and I'm 31 now. So that's like, I don't know, like 12 years or something like that. Um, so, so like I started like just sticking, poking friends at parties or whatever in high school. And then I made a machine out of an electric toothbrush and like sharpened guitar wire and like did some tattoos on myself like that. And at that point I was like, I think I want to learn how to do this. But I, I ended up like buying like a $60 kit scratched up my friends for a little while with that and then uh i was walking by this tattoo shop in ob that i used to like i'd gotten a couple of my first tattoos there and the owner was like yelling at his apprentice out front and he was like mopping something up and i was like what's going on he's like oh this guy's just a fucking dumbass that's all and i was like well if you ever want an apprentice that's not a dumbass let me know just kind of like joking and he was like all right cool come in on monday I was like, oh shit, well, I guess I'm doing this now. So like (laughs) I got my apprenticeship that way and then just started at that shop. And that's like been the beginning of like professional tattoo artist, you know? Yeah, that's fucking crazy, man. Because the amount you travel and and like, uh, you know, hop from shop to shop to do guest spots, like it's nuts that uh, it is all based off of a whim. Like who knows if how you might've gotten into it later, but like who knows how long it would have taken if you didn't do that right at that time you know what i mean it's like a a chance coincidence for sure yeah i mean like that foot in the door was really like crucial because i had always like as a kid growing up i wanted to do a lot of things like i wanted to be like a cartoonist and i wanted to tattoo and like be a painter and all these things so then when that kind of presented itself it was like oh this is my time to do this thing now and just kind of worked out well that's fucking crazy man that's awesome 
if if we all any of us look hard enough, there is that moment. It might not be as obvious as like, hey, I was walking down the street and mentioned it to a tattoo artist, <laughs> but like we all have that moment that pivoted our whole life that when we we can see now, but back For then sure. it was just like a simple decision to make. And it led us somewhere completely different in our lives that we may not have ended up uh, otherwise, which is so wild to think about like how minuscule our decisions can feel or are, and then boom, how impactful it can really be. Yeah, most definitely. That's why it's good to just say like, yes to whatever opportunity and then kind of figure it out as you go along, you know? Yeah, hundred percent, dude. So totally. with, with uh, Live Red, was that like, that was just like kind of something you started creating and putting your own artwork out underneath that name. Like it was yeah. that just your Instagram name that you caught on or what, how'd you come up with that? So like even before like live rad, when I was in high school, I was already doing like commissioned art for bands and some small companies just cause like, I've always like, I like to make art. I like to work. So I had another name, like a studio name that I was putting out that work under and then after like I graduated from high school and started some college, I, I kind of jumped around to like, uh, I went to San Diego State for a year and that kind of sucked. And then I went to a community college in San Diego for a couple of years and that was cool. And then I transferred to uh, an art school in the Bay Area thinking like, all right, I'm going to like already done three years of college. I'm going to finish off here and like do the art school thing. And it was such a bummer. Like in my head, art school up there was going to be like, like a weird 60s beatnik, like everybody's painting and they're interesting people and doing experimental things. And then it was just like a bunch of boring trust fund, like kids. <laughs> and, and so I had this like moment, uh, like while I was starting that, that school, I was kind of like, ah, you know, I don't know if this is really what I want to do. And I, I had already been tattooing for a few years at that point and doing the commission stuff. And I was like, I kind of just like think I could make a living just doing tattooing and doing like the illustration for bands and T-shirts and stuff. And I had I was in a critique and we were talking about like this per the student's work. And I remember saying something like, oh, yeah, you know that the texture you got in this is really rad. It's cool how you did that. And some like fucker behind me mimics me to his friend and goes oh rad sick sweet bro and i remember at that moment being like all right fuck these dudes <laughs> and that was when yeah. i kind of like really stuck with like i'm gonna like do the rad shit that you guys think is lame i'm gonna like not compromise and uh live rad was already something i was kind of like kicking around so it was like, all right, like, I'm really going to like work harder than all these like trust fund schmucks. So like branded this art studio, Live Rad Studios, and that was just going to be the banner for like my tattoo work, my illustration stuff, all that. And then I dropped out of art school and have just been like working ever since. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's a good organic story. Like the way that shit comes about, especially when, again, you have that one moment that was like, this kid fucking mimics you and it's like, boom, now I, I got to I'm going to got the motivation to do it now, you know? Yeah. It's like, fuck, fuck these dudes. Like, I'm going to like actually make a living as an artist while you guys are just here because your parents said you had to do something or get a job. Yeah. So, right. so you went to art school. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I went, I went to San Diego City College for a couple of years mm -hmm. and uh, 
that was like the most fun college experience I think I had because it was all people that wanted to be there. And like, yeah, I was, I was the, you know, the exception to that. I couldn't give a shit about school and I was just kind of going to, uh, to appease like my parents. Cause I was, you know, 19 and just moved to San Diego sure. from, uh, the San Bernardino area. So mm-hmm. it was like first kind of like big city, like grown up years, you know? Yeah. So I went to school just not knowing what the fuck I was going to do with it. But the art department was rad because all the teachers were were working artists, but I felt like they were working artists on projects that were uh, interesting and like, I don't know, relevant to the college scene or like For that, sure. the 20-somethings, you know? So it was, yeah. it was really cool to like learn. And I made it really lo- a lot of great connections and stuff through there. Um, but yeah, that dropped out like when I was like 20, 21 to start fucking partying all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I went to Mesa for two years, and I know their art department shares a lot of the same teachers with City. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just a lot of them too also teach at like UCSD, right? And it's right. Like, oh, we're art teachers, and we need to make a living wage, so we have to like moonlight at community colleges, you know? Yeah. Dude. But but they use that time as like, all right, like you're all adults here, like. I don't want to have to like hold everybody's hand. Like, let's just make some cool shit. And they would work on their own projects while they were helping us work on our own. So it was really like good free range, like self development projects. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And they were real because I feel like I got told more than once for sure. Like, well, you know, this isn't the best shit. Like you can keep working on something. You might want to try something else. Like, yeah, it was, (laughs) they didn't have the time. So like bullshit you, you're not paying enough money for them to bullshit you. You know what I mean? Totally. That, that weird, like pretentious air of like, I'm paying 60 K a year to be at this school or these kids are paying that much. So I have to kind of be this weird, like authoritative teacher figure. It's out the door. It's just like, man, I'm making peanuts working here. Like I'm not going to waste my time or bullshit you. Let's just like be real about this. That's fucking funny. Yeah, it's true. Um, I want to jump back though, because we mentioned Live Rad Skateboards, but we didn't really talk about it. And uh, it's something that just kind of got put together during the pandemic, right? In the beginning of uh, 2001. Yeah, I've I've always wanted to like have a skateboard company, um, but it's just kind of a matter of like when I would have time to kind of get that going. And then uh, I wanted to kind of start it before the pandemic, but then during the pandemic, I'm like, well, I've got more time. I should try to get this going. But there's been like an insane weird shift in the skateboard industry during like because of the pandemic so it wasn't it was like literally it would like the smartest time to do it because the demand for skateboards were so high but it was also like the hardest time to start a skateboard company because uh there was like a shortage on wood and like the glue for the laminates and because all the factories in China that produced the boards for a lot of big companies were delayed and like couldn't ship stuff. Uh, a lot of the major companies started contracting out the smaller, like local wood shops here. And they were buying up these big like contracts of like, Hey, we want your production rights for the next three years. So being like a small, like nobody like me, like reaching out to wood shops to try to get like a hundred boards made was like impossible. So it took like, like, 10 months to a full year to get like our first run of boards actually in hand after sending the order out. Damn. Yeah. That's wild, dude. And then your first batch, did you just do all of one, the one, 
designed was that the uh i used to be punk or yeah what? i'll uh, grab it so it's it's one design one shape but we did it in a couple different colors um and i think that's going to kind of be our mo for a little while it's just kind of a nice way to like have some extra variety in your run without having to really add a major cost yeah yeah um yeah i'll grab those real quick While he's grabbing those, I just want to say like the style of the deck, like new, almost like old school newspaper or something like along the back you'll see right now. It is dope, man. Thanks, man. So we have it in two colors. This was like the second colorway we did. And that's all like collaged, like 70s and 80s punk posters behind it. Thank you. But, uh, you know, it's like a fully silkscreen board. Which nice. is just like the coolest look, I think, for doing skateboards, you know, especially something that's like a very 80s shape, kind yeah, of like that thing, you know, it kind of demands it to be like a silk screened graphic. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Is that so when you say you did one shape, did you it's one size? Is it, it they're all the same width? Uh, for this for this board yeah so gotcha. there's another colorway and it's the same it's the same yellow like deck it's the same template but then there's like the two different colors you can get it in word and then the next one that we have that's coming out the first color is already out but i'm going to be putting these out next week is like the creature from the black leather lagoon dude this crazy oh. like creature shape that i designed yeah that's like, insane crazy like rip off dagger tail and like these crazy scallops down the side i was gonna that was what i was gonna ask next was how long before you were like all right you guys could make us this order can you make us a custom like shape and how much <laughs> how much like extra work is that gonna be yeah um i think that was maybe like six months or so after we got the first ones nice so not too long and now like uh production and availability has caught up so it's not as bad as like what it used to be so we can actually get boards made within like a month or a couple months now hell yeah yeah that's so awesome I have, dude. I have a question on like the like process of getting that started like mm -hmm. when i was a kid we all dreamed about owning our own skateboard company you know where put all of our buddies on and sponsor them and all of that stuff like being able to just start your own skateboard company, it, it's not as easy as you're making it sound where you're just like, oh, I had to get in touch with somebody <laughs> and I got decked six months later. Like, yeah, what, what did it actually go into other than like, you don't need to go into what it is to start a corporation and all of that. Sure. But what did it take you to really like get through that process from idea to board in hand? Well, I mean, I'm still kind of getting through it. Like I say, I have a company, but I'm still kind of like getting the company set up and rolling, you know, um, okay. like I, I guess I had a, a contact, this dude, uh, Jesse, who's a silk screener in Texas called the cat palace. He, I saw that he was silk screening boards for some people. And I think I reached out to him and was like, Hey, I don't know. I would love to get some boards printed with you and made. So he was the original hookup because he knows this other wood shop. Um, and it was a really easy process working with Jesse because he's such a cool dude. And I know how to lay out artwork for silk screening. So that that was pretty easy. And that graphic that's on it, like that main zombie dude, I drew years ago for a T-shirt. So I I was just kind of thinking like, well, I should use some stuff that I already have. 
um, rather than like taking a totally new time to draw some new graphics. Um, but I, there's just a lot that goes into it. And I'm lucky to have a friend to help me with it. Cause it's like on top of designing the shape and the graphic laying out stuff for print, having to communicate with the wood shop and the printer, having to like, you have to get like a seller's permit and you have to pay taxes on California. And then you have your IRS taxes. And then you have to have like certain permits in order to get like custom boxes made to fit this. And like, you also have to like, make sure you've got, gotten like your packing tape and like your packing materials. And then if you're going to deal with t-shirts, that's a whole other guy you got to <laughs> deal with. And like, if you're going to work events, like I'm, I'm going to go, uh, have a booth at SkaterCon out in Arizona at the end of the month. And they are like, oh, you have to fill out these forms to get like a temporary business license for Arizona. So I've been spending all day today, like Googling what these terms are for this form. And like, hope, hopefully I have all the right stuff in order to like actually file for this. But like, it's, it's, it's a big learning process, you know? See, oh, totally. that sounds a lot more like what it is like to start a skateboard company to me, man. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I've looked at like me and Matt, both entrepreneurs trying to do our own stuff. And any any sort of business that you're trying to get into is tough, especially if it's like a niche market you like skateboarding yeah. is. You know what I mean? Like you said, you had to have that connection basically to get started. You already knew somebody. And it, it, that's what it takes a lot of times, too, for whatever, whatever you're doing. Art, whether yeah. it be creating anything you know having having that foot in the door is like what it's all about sometimes you know oh yeah 90 percent. oh yeah and i mean going back to school that's where i think they teach or they try to like instill in you too is like you never know the connections you make so just go to all this shit like go to these events and meet people for and sure talk and socialize and you know you're you're only selling yourself so it's like yeah you're your own marketing Oh, and that's like, like the, how I know Jesse was like, I live, I met some friends and I lived with them in Oregon briefly. And while I was there, there was a, a pizza place up there called Sizzle Pie and they did a yeah. bunch of artwork stuff. And from moving up there and like going there was how I kind of like met one of the owners and he invited me to participate in this like blacklight poster project where I got to do like a bunch of artists got to design them and they got them printed. And the guy they got to print them was this dude, Jesse. And I really liked what he did for us. So I kept going back to him to print my posters. And then he was the cookup for the skateboard factory. Damn. So it's oh, again, wow. it's like this weird, like long chain of events that put me in the right place to kind of meet this dude who ended up helping me with this whole other chapter of shit, you know? That's <laughs> funny, man. Have, have you seen the response as far as like, doing a uh, skateboard specifics to like doing posters or shirts or like different apparel and stuff. Yeah. People have been stoked and um, you know, we've had a good amount of support so far and we've had, we have a couple friends that were like flowing to ride for us, but people have been really into what we've been doing. It's been getting a good response and like boards have been selling well. And uh, it's definitely encouraging to like, keep putting time and money and effort into doing skateboards. Hell yeah, dude. That's awesome. Yeah. I grew up skateboarding. So it's like to see that leap from just illustration to, you know, making your own company out of it. And uh, again, during like COVID and stuff, I 
mm-hmm. it's uh, admirable because I mean, I've done the same thing. That's why I started Rat Nest was the beginning of the pandemic. And it's right. been it's been awesome and it's been like fulfilling. And it's also been like the worst like headache. Why am I doing this kind of <laughs> shit? You know, so, right. It It's cool, though. And it's cool to see like working artists like doing shit for themselves. Like I always respect that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was going to ask you, too, is like when you were younger, did you skate? Like, did you start off like skating when you were like a kid? You were doing tattoos at 17. So I can only imagine you're skating at like nine. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, growing up in San Diego, I'm sure for most people in Southern California, it's like Christmas comes around. You get a skateboard like from a very young age. So I've always had skateboards. And like, I remember even before I had a skateboard, like my older cousin had, it was either a vision psycho stick or a, uh, is it a hippie stick? One of the like old vision boards he had, no, not a psycho stick. It was either just, it was either a gator vision board or a hippie stick from vision that he left at my grandma's garage. And I think it was just the board without the trucks. And I remember being a little kid and like taking it out and like stepping on it and trying to like get it to pop and stuff like that. But yeah, I've always had a board. My older brother skated and our friends skated a little bit, but they all kind of stopped like after eighth grade. So I never really like skated full time since I was a little kid. Like I kind of stopped a little bit too, but then I would get back into it like in high school, but even then my friends weren't really skaters in high school. They were like people who liked skateboards. So it would be like hanging out at the skate park at night. And I would be like taking runs in a bowl while people would be like hanging out or whatever. Mm. So it's definitely within the last like five years, probably more than that. Maybe like the last like eight years I've been skating more than I have ever. Okay. Yeah. Right on dude. That's awesome. Yeah, I I went my brother-in-law like recently got back into it. He's been crushing like all the fucking time. And I've gone out like once or twice with him and uh yeah. I'm just an old man now. I just I I can keep up, but then I just the next day I'm literally sore like all day long. <laughs> I just yeah. I just lay around like, "Oh, my legs hurt. Oh, my, my hammies." Ooh. Yeah. It's brutal. I've I've been trying to like especially the last couple of years I'm trying to like mentally I'm like I'm in training mode and I'm like trying to eat healthier. I'm like going to the skate park, maybe three or four times a week, sometimes more. And I'm like lap swimming a few nights out of the week as like, I'm getting like my, uh, my, uh, wife's brother, a brother-in-law like does massage work. So I'm getting like massages from him regularly. And I'm like, I need to lock in these kind of health regimens so I can be skating into my like fifties or whatever now, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah, man. It is. It's crazy. It's a, you know, your thirties are like, you don't think anything, I guess it all just catches up to you. Like I partied like my whole twenties. Now that I'm like in 34, I'm like, I'm feeling everything. I'm just like, Oh, I didn't take care of myself for 15 years. Like (laughs) I wonder why I feel like shit all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Spent a lot of time just sitting on my ass, like drinking beer and getting stoned. I uh, definitely trying to make up for lost time being healthier now. Yeah, dude. And then art too. Like, literally just sitting there for hours like a lot of downtime uh yeah. you almost have to force yourself to get into a an active regiment because it's so like against your nature of what you're what you're doing for on the sure. daily yeah 
that's that's my excuse for why I'm not a better skater is like while I was growing up and everybody was skating and like cementing in those core moments of skating, I was like busy drawing. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's yeah. my excuse for now why I'm not better at skating. It's all right, dude. All all the skaters wanted to draw better and all the artists wanted to be better skaters. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's, like it's that thing where just naturally you're you're jealous of the shit you can't do. For sure. And also too, like, there's no reality that I would ever be a pro skateboarder, but I can do graphics for pro skateboarders. So like, that's how I can contribute to skateboarding. So I'm okay with that, like that trade-off. That shit's awesome, dude. I always think about that. Like I haven't ever done big commissions for, for anything like that. So when I see guys like you and Chris, like doing shit for, you know, Santa Cruz and, and mm -hmm. Spitfire and Slimeball or whatever, just any of the skate projects, I'm I'm just so jealous because I'm like, oh, that would be so rad to have like the pro sport and your artwork, you know, for so sure. crazy. Is there anything that like trips you out at this point that like you've done that you're like, damn, I can't believe I did that. Every every time I do something for Santa Cruz, I I trip out like they uh, they just put out a series of videos of a bunch of the pros in Costa Rica, Costa Rica or Puerto Rico. One of those. Um, and they're all skating over there. And there's a video that's Jake Wooten and Eric Winkowski playing a game of skate. And they're both skating boards I designed for them. <laughs> so I'm like in my living room stretching to go skate and I'm watching this and I'm like, what the fuck is my life? Like, <laughs> like two of like the gnarliest fucking pros right now are like playing a game of skate, both on boards that I designed for them. That's so wild. Yeah, for sure. Now, Dude. when you're designing those decks for those guys, like, are you getting to work with them on design or are they just kind of sending you a list and like, or are you sending them multiple things and they pick one? How does that work? Um, it, it varies. Typically, I'm not working directly with the skater. I'm, it's like the art director's in the middle, the pros over here, and then I'm here. So okay. uh, the art director, Tyler, uh, for Santa Cruz has like a good running list with the pros of like kind of themes they like colors they like things they're not really into if they were to turn pro or if they're pro like what they would like for their pro boards so there's always kind of like a running conversation with them so then when it comes time for like hey we need a, a pro board for eric winkowski or like jake wooten it's like okay well i have to like figure out like of these things he likes what would be a good or what would be good ideas and I'll come up with uh, multiple options and I'll kind of pass these thumbnails out. And if it's, if it's somebody who's already pro, then they'll talk with the pro, but if they're going to surprise them, then it's just with the art director um, and they'll figure out what's the best direction. And then I'll just go from there. But like for Eric, uh, both of the boards I did for him, he did like sketches on like post-it notes or like, notebooks of like really crude like stick figures of like what he wanted so so i kind of like knew what he had in mind so it's kind of cool to like have something to go off of you know it's yeah. fucking wild dude that's awesome yeah and there's a classic example of the skaters wishing they were better artists <laughs> <laughs> totally. hey man, it, it works for some of them to to stay at that skill they're at i mean like look at neil blender he started a whole he made it like Hey, you can be a skateboarder and be the level of artist that you are, and that's fine. Like you can be a famous artist for what you do, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, Blender. I mean, Mark Gonzalez. Like, yeah, people, you could look. People would look at his art and not know who it was, and like wonder why it's art kind of thing. For sure. Uh, but like, if you know who Mark Gonzalez is, you're like, this is fucking genius. <laughs> you know, definitely. <laughs> it's so crazy. Uh, yeah, I always there, there's that parallel. It's all. It's almost. I don't know. Every generation has a bunch of them. Obviously, like photographers, uh, or whether it be like fi- more fine artists or like painters. Uh, but skateboarding and art, skateboarding is art, so it goes hand in hand. Yeah. But not it doesn't always. Everyone doesn't always uh, tr- translate it into other mediums besides skateboard. For sure. Yeah, it's always skateboarding is just such a unique thing to begin with, too. Like it in and of itself is art and it's like a creative form of expression and it's all about doing shit yourself. So like, it makes sense that like drawing the graphics on the bottom of the board is going to be part of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's kind of always been that heavy artistic or creative uh, influence on skateboarding, like all the way back in like the, the late seventies and early eighties, you know what I mean? Yeah. Walter and like, all those dudes, they were all like partying, raging. You could tell that the art that they were into, that counterculture kind of art style. And that's always had its fingers in skateboarding, in my opinion. You look at decks throughout all the years. Um, I mean, probably chocolate was like trying to, you know, separate themselves from yeah. that counterculture style, a more corporate, like low. Well, like this, yeah, this is for adults. We're not little kids. We don't want like flaming skulls. Yeah. And like I totally get that, and that's Dude, it. More I, I love, yeah, I lo- love chocolate and uh, Evan Hecox. They're like art director that's mm-hmm. been with them forever. Like the chocolate logo, I like. I get kind of what they were going for in when they came out because they wanted to separate themselves because it yeah. was like an off branch company of uh, what it was like H Street or whoever everyone yeah. was skating for before mm-hmm. that. Um, so it was like we're this whole new vibe this whole new like it's like urban it's like city it's new york like right it is pretty sick or like san francisco i don't I remember yeah. exactly where they started but it was like that big city vibe totally uh, and that's and that's again why skateboarding is the best is because like you can express yourself and be whoever you want in skating because there's going to be a scene for you and like like-minded people you know oh yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah, look at all of us, like older guys now that are in our 30s and 40s that are skating. We now we want all like the crazy zombies and the flying skulls, like on fire and stuff on the bottom of the deck because that's the deck I had, or like reminiscent of the first deck I had, you know, in '93. Totally. That's the shape I want now. Instead yeah. of we all have the mentality, there's no way I'm gonna be a pro skater now. I'm never gonna three 360 flip a 10 stair. So. Go ahead and do that on your own. I want to be able to ride around and reminisce, you know? And that's, we're all going back to it. That's why these new shapes are so popular now. Like the big cool wheels. It's it's rad to see that transition, you know what I mean? I I don't, it's not even a transition. It's more just like this cyclical effect of the way that art is in skateboarding. Totally. That's rad. That's super cool that you're like, like influencing it, like ingrained in it now. And you're able to like, you, you're making multiple pro decks, like that lava lamp one. I don't remember the- the Yeah, uh, the Henry Garland. Yeah, dude, that one is like super cool because of the colors and the vibe of it. You know what I mean? That And Thank that you. is, in my opinion, that is where 
the skateboard art like is at right now. You know what I'm saying? You're capitalizing right at the right time with the right style of what's going on with that, mm. like bright colors and crazy graphics and like kind of, I don't know. It, it's dope. It's dope. I'm... Thank you. Yeah. It, that's like a thing that trips me out too, that like some family members have pointed out is like, you know, you're like, you're somebody who's influencing like the skate industry or whatever you're influencing skateboarding in this way. And I try not to think of it like that. Cause that's almost <laughs> like a little too heavy, but I mean, it's true that like, I've pretty much this last couple of years, like 90% of my time is designing stuff for NHS companies. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff that's been produced has been stuff that I've done. So it makes sense that like it's influencing skating in a whole in some way. Yeah. But, yeah. That's, that's such a trip because it, I don't think any working artists, I think, well, I don't know. I can't speak for everybody, but I feel like you feel lucky to do a project. But when you're working on your project, you you don't necessarily think of the significance of it. I think you're more worried about the output, like your output or like, how sure. you know, you want it to be to a certain level for your yourself. Yeah. And then if it does well, it does well. And if it doesn't, you're like, all right, fuck everyone. <laughs> yeah. I, I go through like these, the same motions on every project where it's like, I get assigned it. I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm stoked. This is going to rule. Then I try to come up with the ideas and I'm like, okay, I've got some options. We'll see what they go with they pick something and then I'm like penciling it out and I'm just like, all right, I'm feeling good. Like they like it. This will be cool. And then like halfway through like the penciling and inking, I'm like, Oh, how, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, it's the imposter syndrome of like, I don't know how they haven't caught on at this point And I'm still here. Like, this is it. I'm, I'm, this is going to be the last one. Like they're going to, they're going to know I'm a fraud or whatever, but then like it's finished and I send it out for approval. And I'm like, Hey, what do you think about this? And then the email coming back is like, dude, this is insane. Like next level. Great job. And I'm like, okay, cool. Right. Another day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sigh of relief. You're like, Oh, thank God. Yeah. Dude, that's so funny. I don't think that ever goes away. Is no. it? That's just well, always going to be like that. Like it sucks, but it's also like, that's what keeps me wanting to keep improving my art and like keep like bettering my my work you know like yeah yeah if i was just i don't want to ever just like phone it in for a company like santa cruz and then because then i'm i'll know like looking at something i'm like fuck okay that is totally just like cranked out just like this isn't a job this is my career i, I want to like live up to this legacy of artists you know hell yeah dude that's awesome that's a great way to have you know outlook to have on it because if you didn't you like you said you can tell when someone phones it in and you're yeah. like all right fuck this shit like it's not authentic you always well not everybody can tell but like i know like as an artist i can look at a bunch of boards that are like up in a skate shop and i can tell the difference between somebody who is more of like a folk artist kind of thing like a neil blender kind of thing mm -hmm. versus somebody that like is capable of doing more but is just busting something out oh uh, yeah you yeah. know and i i just don't want to be one of those people that's true because like you like um josh harmony like like mm -hmm. the artwork he does i don't or louis barletta like the like the shit they do that might seem uh simple for graphics doesn't seem unauthentic to me no uh, 
it's you know? like it's awesome you know <laughs> but yeah you i could tell when something just seems like almost like a little too cold or a little too digital or like the fucking you know i don't know what you're doing here but uh yeah i don't i really am not trying to be a shit talker but it's like <laughs> it just seems like maybe somebody was trying too hard to make it look a certain way that didn't really have enough of like a background in the style they were trying to emulate no i hear you it'd be like if i did a deck like for a company people would be like what the fuck is this but i bet but i bet like you could do a deck and it would be awesome but like it would be like if i don't know what your artwork looks like but it would be like if you were trying to emulate an artist that's a style of work that you don't do or know how to make right 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 yeah no i get i 100 percent like get what you're saying uh it, it just seems unauthentic yet it's like yeah very like produced or like too much art direction or not enough of it i don't know <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i feel we're talking about other people's artwork sometimes but it's all right you know. dude yeah hey we're I, just I hope I'm, I'm vague enough that nobody knows what i'm talking about we're, we're here just to talk some shit, bro. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, no, all right. We can switch it up, though, because I did want to ask, like, uh, besides, like, being, you know, an amazing illustrator, you're a DJ, you play music, uh, you you were in that, I don't know if you're still playing now that you moved to L.A. with those guys from San Diego, with the, the Joe Blows. Uh, you played, yeah. like, a couple, like, street fairs and that shit. Like, we went and saw uh -huh. you. It was fun, man. Oh, you saw us at that. Yeah. That, that was our first show. Yeah. The OB one where you're like, we uh, don't know these songs. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so that uh, we're I'm actually going to play music after this with the guitarist of that band. Oh, um, sick. So I don't really know what the future of that band is because our drummer is in San Diego and me and the guitarist is up here. It's been a little difficult to kind of do the long distance band stuff. And then like with COVID, we've just kind of taken a break. Um, pre COVID, we put out like a seven inch with sweatband records. So we like, we made a record, we put it out and we were also on their like LP comp they put out, but we haven't played in quite a while. So we're, we're going to try to get the gears turning and actually be a band again. Oh yeah. Um, but that's like, I've been, I've been doing more DJing, during that time because it's like ah i can't like rely on i can't always rely on other people so like this is something i can do by myself sure yeah you know totally have you been spinning a lot like in la you've been doing that yeah i've been uh right now it's only been like a couple times a month but it's starting to pick up more um i've been doing a night up here called club dead and it's all just like weird obscure like 70s and 80s early punk stuff and that's been really fun um and then i i go down to san diego and dj at the tower bar as much as i can like i'm i'm djing down there uh next week say thursday yeah yeah we, week from today i'm djing at the tower bar with my buddy beetle down there unfortunately uh, this won't be out for like uh five weeks so <laughs> sorry dude <laughs> gotcha, no worries but yeah so it's it's been fun djing it's a it's a good time for sure uh, that's awesome man yeah it's fun um uh, I saw, I don't, I don't know if you were DJing. Did you DJ at Tower the night Nightwatch did the psychedelic issue release? I know you did the cover for that one. Yeah. When they had the like party down there. I might've been, I don't know. That's, that's too far back for my brain to remember things. <laughs> I, was, I, I feel like you probably were at least were up there. Cause I was like, Oh, I didn't know he did this. But, I, uh, think I, I think I maybe did, but 
don't quote me on that. I was roaming around getting ham skied on Paps. <laughs> <laughs> That's like one of the biggest things I miss about living in San Diego is just being able to go hang out at the Tower Bar. Dude, every Tower Bar, I lived right behind uh, Livewire off of El Cajon right there. Awesome. So that, that was kind of like my weekly, nightly mm-hmm. uh, haunt. Hell so, yeah. Uh, we got lucky with like those cool like rock and roll bars. Tell two club rules up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, or down there, I should say, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, how's uh, LA though? Like you finding spots and like kind of filling out the scene. Do you, do you go out yeah. much or do you just go out to do events and stuff? Um, I, I, when we first moved up here, like four or five years ago, we were going, we were going out more, um, definitely like with COVID, we haven't been going out as much, but we still go out. Like, um, the bar I DJ at mostly up here is called little cave. Uh, and that's like three doors down from the tattoo shop. I do my appointments at, So and, and even before DJing there, like that was the main place I would go hang out at. Cause it's like not far from my house. It's a cool hang. Um, but there's, there's a bunch of good, like kind of rocker dive bars up here. So there's always like some place to go or something to do and lots of good shows and bands and all that. Yeah. Nice. Um, all right. So I know you're like, kind of, I don't know if this is true or not from your Instagram shit. It seems like you're pretty like vintage, like throwback. You enjoy like kind of that, uh, nostalgia of like the fifties and sixties, I guess you could say. Oh yeah. Some, like gre- greaser culture and like can't, can't tell it, from the stupid hat i'm wearing right now i was gonna say and some tiki <laughs> drinks so i wanted to ask you dude uh you lived in a, you live in la now for the past five six years mm-hmm. um all the legendary like tiki bars uh, are there have what what ones do you i go to what ones do i avoid because i've only been to a couple uh-huh. and i want i want to get your take on it for sure well so that's let's see um the main one that I was going to up here was the Tiki Tea, which is awesome. Tiki like, Tiki Tea's great. It's tiny. It opened in 61. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Super old school. Um, me and how my many, buddy. Okay. How many people do you think fit in that bar? Like, seriously, like 18? <laughs> it's, I'm going to say, oh, fuck. Okay. I'm going to say, like, max, it's probably like 35. Whoo, that's that's on a good day, dude. And, and that's like that's like people standing in the aisles. And yeah, stuff. Yeah. But that's what's cool about it is like you have to go early or you have to go like on a Tuesday evening. Yeah, if you yeah. Wanna, like actually get in there. Yeah, like a mid midweek happy hour at Tiki Tea mm-hmm. is probably like the move for yeah, sure. <laughs> definitely. Um, oh, yeah. What other bars up here? Uh, I think the Tonga Hut's up here. That's cool. Um, I still haven't been to the bamboo club in long beach, but my friends DJ are there all the time and it seems pretty cool. Um, I don't know. I'm blanking right now. There's a ton of tiki bars up here, but I'm just, yeah, I, I was just thinking cause, uh, I've only ever been to like tiki tea and I've been to a couple like speakeasies, uh, mm-hmm. but not necessarily like tiki bars up there. Right. Um, but I was trying to like vibe it out. Cause I know like apparently like that whole tiki cocktail uh mm-hmm. culture originated like in la like in the well, beach so, area so yeah. that's the that's the big debate so i actually before i got into anything when i was a kid like middle school early high school i got super into 50s and 60s tiki culture stuff so i was this like high school kid on message boards with like 
40 through 60 year old adults arguing about like what, who was the maker of this mug or whatever. I got super into that and I learned how to carve tiki's. And that was like one of my first jobs was I was a tiki carver. Uh, So I got to go to, I've been to a ton of tiki bars, like long before I was 21 because I was just a nerd about this stuff. Um, I don't remember where I was going with that, but, uh, <laughs> what you said, just so we can know that you used to carve tiki's bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah oh, but that, that was the debate was for a long time. They couldn't figure out who started the first tiki bar. Was it Trader Vic in the Bay area who opened a spot called hinky dinks before Trader Vic's that had like a Mai Tai or was it Don the beachcomber in LA? So that's like the age old debate of like who started it first. Right. Yeah. I've, I've bartended since I was 21 and mm-hmm. uh, with like the rise, I guess, in like classic cocktails and then more prevalent like tiki culture coming back, like yeah. in, in the bar scene. Uh, I, I kind of dive, I dove into it a little bit because one, the drinks are delicious. Yeah. Like the, <laughs> the vibe is cool. Right. So it's like, dude, who doesn't want to act like they're in Hawaii sipping some concoction of rum that tastes like bananas for sure like let's go yeah. um and so i got into it and uh my understanding was it was the la the don the beachcomber was like the guy mm-hmm. but yeah I, I don't know the whole like controversy and story i just know that like the story goes that they they were surfers and they would go follow the surf like into other countries and part-time bartend and like brought these drinks to like other places and brought like their rum or like the takes on their rums and stuff back to LA developed the shit and this guy made like a master book of like everything that has a bunch of codes and shit Uh yeah it's like like the da Vinci code of cocktails or something (laughs) well like even even before those dudes like how the tiki bar concept started was it was every like guys from America being stationed in the South Pacific for World War II so they were all stationed in Hawaii and like all these small islands and they would like bring that stuff home mm-hmm. after the war and they would turn their like home bar or rumpus room or whatever into like a tiki bar. And like, then that was like the idea to like, oh, somebody needs to actually open up a bar like this and like serve rum and like these fruity drinks and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's crazy. It, it's funny too, how like the military, regardless of like your stance on like the American military, mm-hmm. uh, like influence so much those cultures of like bars and tattooing like yeah you know what i mean like navy tattooing culture is like some of the most traditional shit besides like i i'd, I'd say american traditional yeah that, that there is you know um, it, it's crazy it started kind of the american culture of it it's just these guys being in in these pl- different ports around the world and getting uh indigenous tattoos fucking wild yeah, you know, you're you're about to go get shipped off somewhere where you keep seeing the headlines of how many other 19-year-olds are getting blown up every day. You're like, well, fuck, I should get my girlfriend's name on my arm or like get this thing for good luck so somebody recognizes me if I die or whatever. And <laughs> I mean, it it really just is like that was the whole industry for a long time. Fucking wild. Dude. All right. Well, we're uh we're coming to the end of uh time here, dude, but thank you so much uh for kicking it with us and bullshitting. I appreciate you uh, on such short notice, you know, hopping out. Like I said, the episode won't be out for a few weeks, but I'll keep you posted on that. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys.
Oh, yeah, man. It, man. Uh, very nice meeting with you and uh, keep up the dope ass work, bro. Thank you. Much appreciated, oh, yeah. guys. Well, well, we'll have you back, dude. There's a bunch of shit I'm sure I didn't get to talking to you about that in 20 minutes. I'm be like, damn it. I meant to <laughs> ask him this. Sweet. But, yeah. Uh, Any, before, anytime you need a you need a talking head to chime into something, <laughs> just let me know. Hell yeah, dude. Um, before we go, though. Uh, once again, Live Rad Studios on Instagram. Um, what's the website? Is it liveradstudios.com? No, so I've been I've been taking like five years to make a website and still Sick. not made yet. Um, we have a store envy, which is like where you can buy the skateboard stuff for now. And that's like storeenvy.com slash live dash rad. It's on it's on the Instagram for the skateboards, which is live rad skateboards. For sure. Um, so yeah, Instagram, Live Rad Skateboards, Live Rad Studios. I'm yeah. sure the links in the bio, both those yeah. you can go check everything out. Um, any upcoming projects or stuff you'll be doing in like a month that you want to mention? <laughs> um, I'm gonna be at a skater con. Well, that'll be over by the time this comes out. <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess uh, we we have some cool projects coming out with the skateboard company. Um, two of the things we're talking about doing. If you're from San Diego. We're going to do a capsule of tower bar skateboards. And then we're going to do a capsule of uh, Roberto's taco shop, 13 skateboards. Oh yeah. So there'll be some fun, like San Diego local kind of homages there. No, that's awesome. dude. Thanks again, man. It was nice talking to you. Nice meeting you. Likewise. Um, you guys take care. Take care, brother. Yeah. yeah. This has been another episode of the Ratness podcast. You can catch us every week. For video on YouTube, audio wherever you get your podcasts for streaming, ratnessstickerco.com for print stickers, shirts, and more, and Ratness Podcast on Instagram to check out the latest episodes and who's coming up. Uh, Jim? I'm Jim. Later. Bye.